McCutcheon now to tandem. McCutcheon's going to throw. Ron Smith, touchdown Los Angeles. 24 yards. As San Francisco tries to come right back. Into the end zone. Almost intercepted. Lewis Phillips had his hands on it. Have the sense of this being a day of missed opportunities for the San Francisco 49ers. Well, this is a missed opportunity for Lewis Phillips. He gets the read here. Taylor driving inside, and Billups, with good anticipation, knows where that pattern's going to be thrown. He had it. He had it. You can't drop that one. That's your ball out on the 20, and you shut down the drive. Two tight ends for Cincinnati. One setback. Anderson has Collingworth at the five. Eric Wright, the defender of fumble. San Francisco football. Collinsworth had it and lost it. Rams now finally starting to look fluid on offense with four and a half to play. Pass. Caught. No. In and out of the hands of Cooks. It would have been a touchdown. He said, I have a lot of respect for Pat Hayden who went down with injury, but I am the quarterback right now. Now in the middle, it's going to be picked off by the Steelers. Jack Lambert looking for somebody to lateral to, keeps it himself, stays on his feet, and comes back to the 29. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, yeah, Super Bowl 56 is upon us. It's time for one of those two teams, the Rams or the Bengals, to make history right. You just heard a string of the plays. Now, of course, you didn't hear any St. Louis Rams Super Bowl action there, but they only are one and one and combined. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Rams either in St. Louis, L.A., or Anaheim, a combined one and six. Someone is going to be happy, though, by Sunday night. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus three, 3. We're ready to roll here. Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. So much news beyond just pro football. Where would it begin? Let's start by saying hello to our pal from Boston, probably has some thoughts on the big NBA blockbuster, maybe Brad Marchand, the all-time scumbag, or way up there on the list of good athletes. Yeah, all-time scumbags for who are actually good at their sport. And then we also have to uh, give you our picks here, up and down the line, some good props, and uh, uh, finalize our pick. Bengals, Rams, Rams, Given for right now. What's the poop there, Hedge? How are you? Well, it feels like we should just be laser focusing on the on this football game yeah. that, that concludes each glorious football season. But so much going on uh, in the lesser sports that sort of diverting our attention. Uh, this this NBA trade has my head spinning. I just I don't I I know I've met Daryl Moore. Derek White is good. I, I that, like Daryl Moore. Oh, yeah, the other, the Ben great Simmons, right? Human being. Um, I just can't believe, like, I, I you know, it's, I hate Kyrie Irving uh, as a as a Celtic fan and a and a human being. I of course don't like that guy, and so my I don't want the Nets to be good or to win. And I really felt like I don't have to worry about the Nets this year. Just that it's just utter chaos and disarray, and. There's no way they are going to rebuild the team by trading a guy who has quit on them and announced, 
I don't want to be on your team anymore. And they get a haul. The return they got, like, I swear, Maury thinks Harden, it's seven years ago. Like that, that haul. And, you know, like, I know this thing of like, well, what's Ben Simmons going to do at the end of games? It's like, well, they got Seth Curry. So it's like Kyrie, KD, and Seth Curry. Like how now I'm like, you know, obviously last week on this podcast, I was like the Miami Heat at plus 425 is the best value in the, in the Eastern Conference to win the East. And now I'm like, how did the Nets pull this off? You just got damaged goods and you, and you get Ben Simmons, who regardless of the last 90 seconds of the game, and by the way, wouldn't it be hilarious if he just came back and said, yeah, I've been shooting a thousand threes a day. I'm I'm a better shooter than Harden. Uh, like, it is inexplicable that this high-end athlete, the only explanation, Hench, as a guy who can knock him down from 30 feet as you can, the only explanation, and I always am, am uh, fascinated when the draft experts around the NBA say like, yeah, the only thing he has to do is develop a perimeter game. Well, like, like, listen, he is a superhuman athlete. He, if, he, if he spends any time practicing it, that'll get fixed within a year. Ben Simmons, the one outlier to that uh, to that theory of completely mine. So. bizarre. But, you know, if you're flanked by I mean, KD, Kyrie and Seth Curry might be three of the top five shooters in the NBA. Like that's an insane triangle. Like so, you know, you you can't how much of the game you can't start hacking Ben Simmons with eight minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Like he's going to, that team is suddenly formidable. He's a good player except for these, these Achilles heels. And uh, I, I just, I cannot believe the hall the nets got given the weakness of their position with how just guardable Harden's become. Like he's just not the James Harden of, of old. And maybe Maury thinks yet another change of scene will, will you know, light a light a fire under him, but I'm, I get it though. Ah. But but in broad strokes, you're trading malcontent for malcontent, and both probably both franchises probably feel a little fresher in the locker room right now today than they did yesterday because they've replaced the previous malcontent. I don't know if the grass is greener. I I completely hear your points. By the way, FanDuel juicy now. All of a sudden. Who are the top two teams to get to the finals this year out of the East? The Bucks, the defending champions, plus 290. Better value there than on the Sixers at plus 240. And the Nets now the favorite to get there on FanDuel, plus 210. Bet at FanDuel.com slash minus three. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they play in March. I would, uh, I, I suspect given that it's not a stiff lower back, that it's probably a soft spine upper and lower for Ben Simmons that when they meet in Philadelphia in March that suddenly there will be a DMP next to his name there will be something conjured that will allow him to avoid it but if FanDuel's right this will be your conference final and uh, boy that would be dynamite stuff for the for the narrative of that and again it's kind of where it left off last year the stylistic matchup between these two would be great wouldn't it not just for the the story of it you I, I I just I don't I don't like this trade for the Sixers. I don't I, the the way Harden plays. Like I don't think that's great for Embiid. Um, you know he's so ball dominant, and ironically, you know Harden's big co- contribution is like if he beats this guy off the dribble, 
he's going to kick it to the short corner for his assists. Only you traded the best short corner shooter. Seth Curry's now on the Nets. Anyway, I, I, uh, I think the Nets got a lot better. I don't think the Sixers got a lot better. Um, you know, the, the proof will, will come in the playoffs. Uh, I, I actually think at those prices that, that the Bucks and Heat are still a better value than, than the two teams that just made the, the trades for malcontents today. But anyway, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about football or hockey. Or MLB. DH. Now, universal at the highest level. It makes me sick. Sick in my balls. I would, I, oh, I, I or know. I would be, I, I would be sick about it if I gave a good goddamn about MLB at this point. No, which I don't. you know what? Now, no one's going to bunt with one out. This is terrible. This is you understand terrible. That's the baseball. game. You understand the that's the game. Sacrifice bunt is going away. This is a dark day for baseball. This, by the way, is the great legacy of Big Poppy. The year he goes into the hall, they honor him league-wide with the universal DH. Yes, we're going to have a grown-up batting instead of these little kids who can't make contact, you know, who can, who bunt. They bunt because the the only other, the only thing, if they swing away, they're going to strike out. And if they make contact, they'll do a double play. So this is fucking great. It's great television. It's great for all the, all the fans of the, the shitty athletes up there at the plate flailing away. No, Universal DH, overdue. Congratulations. You come on this show every week and bellyache about the officiating, which all tilts towards the favor, in football I mean, tilts towards the favor of offense to put up the highest point totals possible and really take away a lot of the credibility of, of the game in favor of luring in more and more fans. So how can you complain about that but be excited about the designated hitter? This is a key point of strategy in the National League. I don't understand even what what makes you uh, a great skipper. I mean, I guess the the, the opportunity to be a, a major league skipper has now expanded the, the, the pool of people who can do it because all you have to do is basically sit there and match up yeah. lefty versus righty all for, for nine innings, right? Yeah, it's, it's no longer going to be those brainiacs even dum dums will be allowed to to manage baseball. Jesus, that's a complicated. By the way, why well, not taking that? At least in football, the fucking clock is running. Like in baseball, you can't. How do you make bad decisions when you're under no time crunch? What do we do? I don't know. The batter's left-handed. Bring in the lefty. Okay, there you go. See, that's uh, why. See, you're informed by uh, Grady Little and people like that who still somehow blow obvious calls, even though they're in the American League. I see why you don't. Uh, understand. Coach, you sure you want to leave? Uh, you sure you want to leave Pedro in because he's in the shower. He's. <laughs> I think he thinks he's coming out. You want to? Okay, I'll get him. Get his uniform back on. Okay. It's your All call. Right. You're the boss. You're the boss. We have much real estate to flap our gums about baseball designated hitters and NBA and all that. By Monday next week, suddenly we're going to be out in the football is desert and I'm going to be starved immediately. I'm sad, but I don't want to get sad right now. We have a big game to look at. And here's the good news. I as I think about it. I can't, you know, we've talked about the poop the bed potential of the quarterbacks in these playoffs. I don't think this game has a poop the bed potential, really. I don't think it could go like the Rams and Patriots did a couple years ago. I don't think it could be an offensive stinker. It's got to be somewhere both teams have to get into the 20s at least, right? And I don't really see how one team 
versus the other would really get ahead by, you know, three touchdowns and have totally, this thing lined up in totally a blow. Totally agree. We're all, you know, we're, we just in agreement too much. We need some heat on this podcast. Well, the games have got to be anti-vaccine. It's the only way we can get traffic. No, I, know, I, I just I I've been thinking about it. The Super Bowl is has weirdly we got into the me and you, Hench, went through at least a decade of just about every Super Bowl stinking. Then we got into a run of them all being dynamite, iconic games that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. But then you look at it from Malcolm Butler. After that interception on, it's been four out of six real bad games. And, you know, 28 to three is one of the good ones I'm counting. But there have been some really forgettable games of late. Like I say, I don't see how this one gets weird. Let's just jump into it. Let's pull the Band-Aid off. We'll do some props. Spaghetti has some props there for us ready to go. Um, But let's, uh, let's start with the headline here. I've been weighing this back and forth. And really... In terms of matchup, the two things that stand out to me, and it's weirdly an undercovered thing, is the Zach Taylor versus Sean McVay aspect of it. Who does that favor? Zach Taylor knows what Sean McVay is going to try to do and vice versa, right? And so Sean McVay will know presumably how Zach Taylor will address the mismatch at the line of scrimmage for his offense. So this makes me think that the Rams with Aaron Donald and company will have an ongoing edge. I don't know how you hold off Donald and Miller and Floyd at all. The other thing I would say, the other thing that I I don't know how to calculate this is the Super Bowls are such a curveball to these professional athletes that that week like oh if you've never been there it's weird you know like the whole week and you're getting pulled out all week and uh, can I focus on the game and all of that kind of stuff. The Rams have had the most normal week possible. Is that good or bad? Are they sad that we haven't had a suit? Or like, are they thinking right now, like, I thought it was like a singular week of a professional athlete's life to reach the championship level and all the trappings and everything else. In LA, do you feel, first of all, like it's Super Bowl week? So far, I don't feel that. And I certainly don't think the Rams players day to day this week are feeling like, oh, this is so exciting. This whole day, this whole week, all the stuff it's going so, it's like it's so crazy. I got to go so, pick Seth up at, uh, at fifth uh, grade. I'm going to go pick him up from basketball practice. Like it feels like it must be the same week as ever. And is that good or bad for the Rams? Probably good. Uh, yeah, I think it so. is funny. You know, you remember the, the awesome Mr. Martinez from Carpenter elementary school he's just i just like he's an amazing guy he's got so much cougar spirit and so he's you know huge dodger fan huge rams fan and he's like he's he's trying to whip the uh the students and the parents into a frenzy for the rams and uh, a lot of uh, rams announcements rams updates and you just feel a collective like who are the rams like it's you know like obviously Dodgers and Lakers everyone in town is on board and then it really feels a drop off people are like wait the Rams moved back to LA when did that happen like <laughs> I, you couldn't I like you couldn't have a town less gripped by Super Bowl fever uh, which maybe is good I I don't know you know I mean obviously once the game starts I I actually think I mean I agree with you that Stafford and Burrow just have a chill unflappability. Like I don't, I just don't see either of these guys, you know, delivering a Craig Morton four interceptions disaster. Uh, 
you know, which is why I like Stafford over 285 yards. Um, I like Burrow over one and a half touchdowns as passes. It's, it's minus 170, but I think worth the price. I like the Bengals minus 125 over 21 and a half points. I think these teams are going to move the ball. Um, you know, obviously the, the Rams have the pass rush and that's the concern for the Bengals. But, you know, this kid's amazing. Like he gets the ball out. And, and also, if you look back at that Chiefs game, the key to that game that, that really kind of didn't get enough coverage, they had that guy sacked twice. Twice. Yeah, right. And he's like that his surgeon needs a bonus because as someone who's still uh, rehabbing a recent knee surgery, this guy is shedding Chris Jones and running for a first down on a reconstructed knee. Mazel tov, surgeon. Well done. That guy should have his name in the headline. So I, I like uh, I like all the all the positive bets here that the high score, the over yards. Um, you know, Odell Beckham more catches than Steph Curry three pointers. All the all the good props. I I well, by the way, I also wonder about when you talk about the fans in LA and all that. That's a, a prop that I don't think is uh, available at FanDuel. More fans, Bengals or Rams fans. That'll be an especially bad look if it's more bungly than than Rammy in SoFi Stadium for well, Super Bowl it's, 56. It, you got to figure I think it, it would be though, right? When you think it I, through, Bengals I suspect fans are going to be it'll be the it'll be the worst kind of crowd cuz we're cuz we're out here in LA, but it'll be the pie chart will be thirds, right? One third Bengal fans, one third Ram fans, one third douchebags barely paying attention to the game. With a with a Super Bowl 56 t-shirt pulled on over their button-down shirt, right? Yeah, that's the um, that that's the hallmark. Uh, that's the calling card of the corporate types there. Um yeah, that I, you're you're probably right. And, and and the Super Bowl is generally speaking one of the worst atmospheres that you'll that you'll see in pro football there's because so, of there's so many people are milling. Like they're milling. It's like it's third and seven. What are you doing? I'm just walking around. I'm not going to go over here. I'm just going to talk. I'm going to try buddy. to get like, up into the corporate box and go visit. Uh, you I'm know, Tom told me to swing this by. Guy. That's like, exactly what it is. Are yeah. you guys out of your minds? They're on the goal line. Huh? What? They punched it in? I don't know. I don't give a shit. But I've been praying so on this. I, I, it's almost been a fortnight now, and I've I've gone back and forth with my pick. I was like, it feels the rest of the world on the Bengals plus four, and I thought about them on the money line. It plus 166 I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams at minus 128 on the money line that's my official pick for the game result okay. there I think the Rams are going to win it I'm going to do it on the money line um to play it nice and safe the total is 48 and a half for fun sake I say go over there pair that up on a nice parlay I think that's uh, the way I'm going to roll here and then we'll get into all our props here what's your formal I, pick uh, It's funny I I I haven't really deviated a ton on this one, um, you know, although it is I, I'm surprised by the line a little bit, maybe by a point. You can get it for four and a half uh, for for a little uh, contribution. But um, I just think if this line was a pick em, I would still be a little conflicted. So I think if hmm. you're getting four, you got it. You got to take the points. I mean, I could easily I mean, you know, of course. When the Rams, I had a million things going on, but one of the one of the things, if the Rams were going to beat the Niners in the NFC Championship game, what I needed 
was them to do it by more than three points. And so that, so I could definitely see the Rams repeating their three-point victory uh, from the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl. So that four, four and a half feels like a lot of wood for a team that just swept a home and home against the Chiefs. And by I, the way, I, I hear you, but then so why are you going on the money line then? Why? Well, I am go. I am also on the money line. Oh, you are okay. Good. You yeah, know. that seems like that. It's inside a six, and isn't that the the savvy play then? That if you're gonna uh, take the points, you may as right. well. Right. So I'm saying, so you either take the points or you take the extra dough. But I, I like the Bengals, and I will say this: one of the real uh, problems with the Rams all year, one of the few problems on that defense has been uh, the other the side of the field. Jalen Ramsey's not on. That guy's open. Well, obviously the Bengals present a real problem when, you know, Jalen Ramsey's like, I want Jamar Chase. Bring me Jamar Chase. Well, first of all, what were you fucking doing when Mike Evans blew by you? When the only thing that couldn't happen in that game was a long touchdown pass. But, Mm -hmm. okay, you get Jamar Chase. Be careful what you wish for. Uh, T. Higgins and Boyd, like, these these guys are stars. They're fantastic. So I don't, you know, the Rams, you could really see – Zach Taylor devising a game plan that is based on going the opposite way of Jalen Ramsey, just pounding it away from him, um, which has been pretty successful all year. You're going to have uh, to screen it out a ton, though, or or throw it between the hashes to Tyler Boyd, and Mixon might have a good game. I think those are the two best guys if you want to go over in props in terms of receptions and yards and so on. I think those are the two good plays on the Bengals' uh, offense because well, of exactly what you Well, there's one of Spaghetti's said. props that I love, uh, and this I'll let him, he'll let him talk about the others, but I love McPherson – to score first. That's a big number. And I, and you teams are satisfied with a field goal on the first possession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, that's two, fun. Fourth and two at the 25, they're going to send him out to kick a field goal. Go ahead, spaghetti. Give us your picks. Well, that, yeah, that, that one, uh, I love, uh, I know people have been joking. I don't know if they're joking, but they've been saying like, could McPherson actually win MVP and Sal was saying, is it have to be four field goals and like a bomb, five field goals, whatever. But I, I do think that, especially when the, and the Super Bowl teams play a lot tighter. And I think if they get in field goal range, McPherson has a great leg. He's been super accurate. Uh, I like the Bengals to score first is one of my props. I like the uh, McPherson first field goal. The numbers on that uh, first score in the game, first score being a field goal is plus 128. Bengals scoring first is plus 104. And the first scoring play by the Bengals being a field goal is plus 350. So I think those yeah. are. Those are locks. Um, In terms of picks, I'm still sticking with the Bengals um, getting the points. I like the under in this game. I think it'll be tighter. I'm around a 24-20-ish kind of game um, around there. I I, I just think that, like, we've seen recent history, the Super Bowls, like, there's some teams – you know, Tampa Bay had 31, Kansas City had 31, but uh, no Super Bowl before that. But and then obviously the stinker between the Rams and the, and the Patriots the year before that. I think it'll be in the lower end uh, and scoring wise. And um, so I, I feel pretty good about that. What I do love about the Bengals and why I'm picking them is they've scored in every single quarter in this playoffs. Um, hmm. So I, I think that they're always, you know, Burrow's getting them in at least field goal range. Like we said, why McPherson could have a huge day, um, which is, you know, and they're only averaging 24 points in this playoffs. But uh, I just, it goes back to me just trusting Burrow. And I, I was telling Jen on waiver wire that I think 
I know this is the Super Bowl. I know this is the Rams, quote unquote, home field. But it's hard to convince me that being down 18 and Arrowhead is not a harder position to be in than just being in the Super Bowl in, in the stadium where like Hench is making fun of a bunch of guys in, in suits who are just not paying attention. Like, yes, a lot of eyeballs on you. But do you think a guy like Joe Burrow who's wearing these shades and the chain, do you think he's thinking about all these eyeballs on TV? No, it's going to be 80 degrees in Inglewood. He's going to have an easy time there. And I think being in cold Arrowhead where you have crazy fans, one of the toughest fan bases, I think that that to me is the higher pressure situation being down um, three scores. So I, I just I trust him in this game. and I would not be shocked if he wins uh, MVP, which uh, right now is sitting at, I think, two plus two thirty. So. Um, those are a couple of picks I like. Well, they, they all players are going to have to really hydrate well. There's a real chance of heat stroke. Hottest Super Bowl ever. Good thing they put the put the roof over the the stadium there in LA to um, hold that one off. But uh, all right, do you want to run through some props here, Spaghetti? And uh, me and Hench will give you our best uh, side of uh, of whatever you run through here. Yeah, another. I'll throw out a couple other ones that and see if you guys agree. I mean, I have the Bengals to win by either one to thirteen points, and that's plus two thirty. Um, again, I still I still like the Bengals in this game. Uh, obviously, if you're picking the Rams, you're not going to side with that one. Another one that I think is a lock. Um, both dealing with Joe Mixon. Number one, his uh, the num- latest number on his receiving props is twenty four and a half yards. If you go back to the, obviously their first game versus the Raiders. He had 28 yards in that game with five targets, seven targets versus Tennessee, had 51 yards, and only three targets versus Kansas City, but had 27 yards uh, in the air. So I I think he's going to go over that one. And I also think, you know, people have been saying, well, Aaron Donald and and Von Miller, they're going to get to Joe Burrow. Look what happened to the the Bengals in that game versus the Titans, nine sacks. Everyone knows that. Look, Zach Taylor, part of the McVay coaching tree, if he is smart in this game and he's going to beat the guy that he learned from, it's going to be a lot of – screens to mix in we saw a bunch of screens actually went to p ryan last game i think more of those go to mix in and if they want to neutralize donald let him rush you all of a sudden hand it off give him a, a draw a lot of quick step drops i think mixing to be a heavy part of this run game and the passing game and i think his total for rush yards right now is at 60.5 uh same thing like his rushing yards that the totals have gone up each game he's at 48 versus the raiders 54 versus tennessee 88 versus kansas city uh i like him to be closer to the 88 yard mark so i, I like mixing to go over the 60.5 in this game I, here's my favorite prop aside from the anytime safety in the game at plus 960. Get that. That's such fun. You have 60 full minutes to root for that one, and it may come through on the very last play of the game um, if the situation warrants it. Uh, my favorite one is not trying to pick the specific, specific MVP, rather identifying the position. Quarterback is the obvious way to go at uh, minus 300 there. Wide receiver, though, with Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham, those are two real good options that may wind up with the MVP, plus 300. And what could swing the game. And as the game goes along, if Aaron Donald is doing anything along the lines of what Jeffrey Simmons and company were doing in Nashville three, four weeks ago, then the buzz as the game goes along will be like, this is the defining game of the greatest defensive player in pro football history. And people won't be able to resist voting for him if he totals something like three sacks and is a big difference maker in slowing down the Bengals ever so slightly. Any defensive player plus 870. How do you like that one, Hench? That's pretty good, although you and I are already on the record. I mean, obviously, point that there's a reason it's plus 870. It's rare. But, right. uh, you know, we're already on the record as saying they're, they're, these teams are going to move the ball. So, uh, you know, I don't I, – it doesn't feel – and I also, to your point, it doesn't feel like a Richard Dent game 
where one of these teams just gets destroyed and you go, I, we got to give it to one of these guys who whipped his man on every play. Um, Look who remembers the Super Bowl 20 MVP. I'm pleased well, to well, hear it, Hench. It, was, uh, it started so great. It started so it great. Really Larry did. McGrew forces a Walter Payton fumble. We recover. Patri- I mean, the Patriots were on fire in those playoffs. They, they Stanley like- Morgan had one down by his ankles. If he catches it and and uh, heads up the sideline, the remaining That's 10, 15 like yards. turnovers in three games. Like, it, that team was so nuts. And then, as I think we've discussed here, Tony Eason goes 0 for 6 and gets replaced. It was the quickest, like, oh, wow. It's not your day, buddy. It's not your day. I do I do remember for real, for about 15 minutes in real time, young Dave was watching this and thinking, like, maybe, maybe the Patriots are going to beat this team. Because even then, I was hip on the idea that the Bears were a scooch overrated with Jim McMahon at uh, at All right, here's a trivia question. While you guys are, while you guys are, not getting it. I'll I'll Google it to confirm that I'm right. Who, Stanford Jennings. No, because oh, because you you want plus nine sixty for a safety. What Bears defensive lineman was credited with a safety in that game? Um, it was. Uh, it had to have been Steve McMichael. No, not Dan Hampton. Not Richard Dent. Not the fridge. Who could be left then? <laughs> All right, I'm saying I wish I'd confirm this faster. Nothing worse than a guy who doesn't know the answer to the trivia question he just asked. I believe it's Henry Waxter. You Bears fans can can let me know. I mean, that's why it makes it such a great trivia question because you've got Hampton, McMichael, Dent, uh, and and, uh, I believe Henry Waxter tackles Grogan in the end zone. Oh, fuck it. I'm not going to look it up. All right, you know what? Start it right there. Here we go. You know, uh, you know, cousin Sal. By the way, make sure you're getting in for all the Super Bowl fun here in advance, and the most vile competition ever known to man. If you win, go to go to um, extrapoints.com and get in and and ride along with us on all manner of bets here. But the most disgusting of all is you could win over a grand if you're the grand champion. However, if you come in last place. Harry from Against All Odds, of course. His brother, I don't want to offend the guy, but, you know, I don't. I, I doubt that he's probably listening to us in the onion fields of um, upstate New York right now. He's, you know, you, he's unkempt, you know? He's a man of a certain carriage. He's swarthy. And he, like I say, he works in an onion field. And you can find pictures on social media. You have to drink his bathwater if you come in last place in this is the bottom line. We've been debating internally what would be the minimum dollar figure required for you to drink that bathwater, Kevin Hench. I, sa- I said uh, 25K. Um, uh, $10 million. Okay, good. I good. don't need yeah. money. That's, uh, that's covered. So I don't, I don't know why would I, I don't, I need, I don't need hepatitis and I don't need money. So why would I fucking. Eddie Spaghetti said he would do it for $500. Yeah. Yeah, He needs to go. He needs to go. Good man. It's very true. It's very true. And I don't, I don't think it's as, it's not as gross as people are. It's mostly dirt water. We all had dirt in our mouths when we were kids. It's, it's fine. The guys, the guys. It's he's not a hot. he's not a healthy man, but he's healthy enough to be farming. So it's like he doesn't have some kind of skin dis- disease or something. It's, it'll 
it'll be fine. It's a quick hold your plug your nose, chug it. It's over with. You but know, he's, he's naked. He's naked, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, right. it's just like this is like his asshole is an estuary. The yeah. water has all all the water you're drinking has passed under and around his asshole and is now going into your mouth. Yeah, the rigorous standards for being a farmer. Eddie Spaghetti keeps bringing that one up this week. Like, well, he's allowed to farm. He must be helped. Why? What is well, he's, he's doing physical aid, but we're not. So, like, we, I mean, I can be sitting here and have a heart attack in two minutes. You're basically rimming Scott. That's basically, that's basically <laughs> what you're doing for $500, which everyone has their price. <laughs> And that's uh, <laughs> 500. So we've established that uh, Hench and I are are high class call girls, at least. And Spaghetti's just one of them sturdy street walkers. <laughs> Three bucks. I don't oh, care. Wait. I just get um, I haven't you know, I, I know I'm never any fun on these things because I, I dismiss them out of hand. But um, as one should. But uh, is it a glass or a pitcher? How much are you not drinking the whole? That's a good question. I think well, it's a glass. It does need to be a clear um, vessel for our enjoyment to see what it looks like, because it will not be clear. It's not going to be crystal clear water, obviously, that Spaghetti has deluded himself into thinking it's going to be. Yeah, it's human filth. I I would be surprised if his body doesn't feature multiple lesions here, there, and everywhere. I mean, you're going to drink that anyway. So go over, extra points, uh, get in on that, bet with us, and make sure you bet with us uh, at FanDuel.com slash minus is, three. This is super disgusting. Um, but uh, this is what I'm imagining for our dear friend Scott. I, I, I may be wrong, but I, my dad, who had a you know peripatetic migrant educator, had a bunch of odd, weird jobs. But for a little stretch of his life, my dad's job was he was a professional acupuncturist. That's hmm. that's what he did for a living. So he tells me one day, and he didn't have to tell me this. He could we, I could go my whole life without this. Uh, he was doing acupuncture on a really morbidly obese patient, hmm. and and at a certain point, because of where the acupuncture needle had to go, he had to he had to like get some leverage and roll back the folds of belly fat uh revealing a fucking colony of lesions that's what i'm imagining spaghetti is is drinking he's basically lancing a boil and 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 drinking it with a straw well uh, you know i'll be better here i hate i hate the one up you there hench but uh, mo damashek of course uh when she was a nurse one of her rounds was in the uh, in the ER when she was uh, in nursing school, and apparently one of the requirements is is that you know people of a certain carriage need to need need a washcloth bath. You know, the, there's there's a smell and so on, oh and so God. that's something they do. And so she lifted a fold, and and this happened on more than one occasion, by the way. <laughs> lifted a, a fold. And uh, there was a cockroach underneath. <laughs> no way. That, no. More than once. And I said, that can't no be true. Way. And I've asked I've asked med school friends oh about God. this too. And they said, yes, that happens. That happens oh, to heavy no. set people. That's what you're drinking, spaghetti, yeah. for 500 bucks. Well, after hearing yeah. that, I mean, I want to up the dollar amount. But I, I also would request a full body, you know, scan the ocular no. pad down to Scott. No. Before. no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you don't get you're going to be in the ER. You're going to be getting a sponge bath <laughs> after this 16-ounce uh, mug oh. of uh, of lesion roach-infested water. But, you know, a All lovely right. guy. A lovely Sal- guy. Sal is, as you may have heard, he and uh, he and his pal um, Bill Simmons um, do a thing 
um, on, uh, on on that podcast called Pick the Lines. I thought it might be fun, Hench, if you and I pick the lines of past Super Bowls. Eddie Spaghetti, start us off. Super Bowl 20. Hench, start us off. What do you guess the line was of that game? Do you remember? Ten and a half. That's gotta be that's gotta be in the ballpark of right because it wasn't the it wasn't the most severe line in Super Bowl history. But the Bears were a decided favorite. I know that much. But the Bears didn't have a big time offense. So how many points could you possibly lay with them? I think that's about right. I will say, I'll say I'm tempted to say nine and a half. I'll say 10, 10, uh, 10 uh, 11. I'll go to, I'll go up to 11. And Hench, you said 10 and a half? Yeah. Hench wins. He's closer. Uh, it, the line was 10. Hmm. All right. All great. Right. Uh, now, hold on. Just because I can't get over Like, again, I'm not. I mean, I know people think I can be mean, but like when people are actually like making fun of like a person that we know or like, a, you know, like it's like. But the thing. I, I love the idea that it's like, no, 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 no. Harry. Harry's not the. We've got a. We've got a bigger punchline. <laughs> well, hold on. We got a bigger punchline than Harry waiting for you in the bathtub. Like, good Christ, where does this go? Where, what, what's, what's in the next room after Scott? Oh Megan, Megan from Megan Fun of Sports says, "Oh, I would do. It. Just hold your nose, and it'll be over quickly." I said, "Please, at least experience Scott in the same room with you for." 10 minutes before you make any commitment that you wish you could back out of. I mean, the smell alone will scare you away. I mean, Ella, you, that's not being You know mean. how that's bad he smells? The onions are crying. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a delightful guy I've never met. I've probably met him once. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, we're riffing here. It. I don't know. I don't know the guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're riffing here. I like uh, guess the lines of past Super Bowls. Hit me, spaghetti. Right. Go and give us another one of of your choosing. I suspect it'll be what Giants Bills is what we're gonna get right now. Uh, I would say. I mean, I'm scrolling. We could do. Uh, yeah, you want to do the, the Giants Bills? We could do that. Well, that Bills. one in hindsight always feels like the Giants were big underdogs on that. Bills, because- my, Bills are giving six. Ooh, that meant. Do you know that, or are you just throwing? That's that my out? recollection. So. Huh. I would think it'd be a little bit closer because, of course, the the Giants went into the stick and upset the juggernaut Niners, perhaps the best team with all due respect to the 15 and one Vikings of 98 and the 04 Steelers of 04 and whoever else you want to summon the team that didn't even get to a super well, the Chargers of Eric Coriel, Dan Fouts and that group. Um, But that that Niners team didn't even get to the Super Bowl is crazy. So they were vanquished by that Giants team. I'll say it's a little lower. I'm going to say it's four. Hench is uh, the winner again. It was Buffalo giving seven. Son of a bitch. Boy, boy, imagine that that Bills team never won a Super Bowl. Oh, man. Well, I, you know, at least they got there this year. Oh, shit. <laughs> we had a good conversation with Bills, a uh, longtime Bills fan, Chris Trapasso. And more importantly, if you're a fan of the other 30 teams in pro football, he gives you some uh, some draft analysis on all the QBs and otherwise go back and listen to that minus three earlier in the week. Do you like this game, Hench, or do you want to move on? You're doing very well. Um, I, I'll do another. I, sure. 
Can I throw can I throw this one out? I don't want to keep I don't want to pick another one with the Giants, but I found this one to be interesting uh, versus one of the greatest defenses of all time, the Baltimore 2000 defense. What do you think the line of that game was? Ravens minus three and a half. What I know about that game is that there is what's what's crazy is to go back before um, the passing rules of Mel Blunt rules in 78 and the totals in the Super Bowl. You're like, what the hell? Ha- was that a first half total? No, no. 32. That's the game total. Like, what? I know that that game was retro because the Giants and Ravens both sucked. And uh, that was the worst Super Bowl matchup in history. I mean, how do you fact? I, mean, I don't know. The Ravens given two. I mean, final score, the expectation would be about six to six to three. So I don't know. Go ahead. I know the total was like low 30s. The total was 33. Baltimore won the game. 33. They won the game 34 to 7. Uh, And hence, you're you're a monster. It was uh, Baltimore's giving threes at three and a half. All right. For a game you love, Shaq, you've you've gotten crushed. Um, Now, I do remember winning a bet on that Super Bowl, though. The Tiki Barber over total yards because I said they're going to be behind and it's going to be check down city. And even though they got blown out, Tiki went over his total yard number uh, easily in that game, which which I watched. You know, I, I see you're too young, Spaghetti. So you so marijuana has always been insanely powerful. Like you've never had like gentle marijuana, the kind that Sheck and I grew up with. So for for guys, <laughs> I wasn't down in the Virgin Islands all right, all right. Well, at 12 Bird still, and Tree, and but all right, love me in there. There love was me marijuana in, okay. in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, so, so, you know, I grew up smoking homegrown and like, you know, you'd catch a slight buzz. And then when like, you know, people started talking about like, there's this marijuana hydroponic. I was like, relax, it's marijuana. Everyone's got to just chill. It's marijuana. And then that house on Addison, the Corolla party house, which is where I watched that Giants Ravens Super Bowl, was also the first house where uh, old man Hench tried the new pot. So this is how stoned I was. I, I we were playing poker. It wasn't it wasn't during that Super Bowl, but we're we're getting high playing poker. I'm like, wow, this stuff's just sounds excellent. It's much better than the homegrown the Rastafarians sold me when I was nine years old in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. So I'm playing poker. I fold. I got to go to the bathroom. I get up to go to the bathroom. I'm walking to the bathroom, and I'm like, this is unbelievable. Every corridor, every turn, every nook and cranny of this house that we're playing poker in is exactly the same as the house where we play basketball. (laughs) (laughs) I had this fucking- One of the chances. Oh, I I finished going to the bathroom. like, the soap's in the same place. This is unbelievable. This is like- (laughs) This is like Frank Lloyd Wright designed both of these houses. Meanwhile, I'm in the fucking house that we play basketball in every week. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so crazily stoned. Um, I got to not do any more of this. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, I see why the parents are worried. That was the moment where I was like, I get it. This is a narcotic. This is this is a little history. It's funny because I well, I I attended the same Super Bowl party and. Sal invited me earlier in the week. And in between, 
Sal inviting me to Corolla's party house um, and the actual Super Bowl, I had the small matter of my first big writing job interview um, in Los Angeles for the Man Show, um, and I had uh, I had submitted a couple of weeks prior and got called in for for an interview and was told that it would be with Jimmy Kimmel. Um, and I thought, well, I've met Jimmy, uh, one time and he was a delightful guy. So, okay, it won't be so bad. It'll be comfortable. He seems like a super nice guy. And, um, I, uh, I show up for the interview and hence you remember the man show offices. It was a semi-intimidating office. It had a super high ceiling and everything. And it felt like a big space to sit down for a big moment of your life in this office. And there were three desks in the room. But when I went in, it wasn't just Jimmy Kimmel. There was also Adam Carolla, an intimidating comedic presence, no doubt. And, uh, and the executive producer whose name I would learn was Daniel. And then a fourth guy who I vaguely recognized, but couldn't quite place who he was. He had a ball cap on down over his eyes. I couldn't quite make out, but it was bugging me. Who is that guy? Who is that guy? And never mind who that guy is. This is already a terrible spot for me because I thought it was just going to be me one-on-one with one guy. And now it's four guys sitting there and I plop myself down and they just pick up whatever conversation they were having before I walked into the room. And it goes on for five or six minutes. And believe it or not, I'm a blowhard, obviously, and I don't shut my yap. But in this moment, it was too big for me. I just I just shrank. I was, I was dead silent until one of them finally addressed me. I think it was Jimmy. And he said, uh, Damashek, Dave Damashek. That sounds like the name of a detective. You should, you should go work at the local police force or something like Damashek, homicide and chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. And then I launched into a story and I left my body and sat up on the wall and listened to myself telling a story to these world-class comedians about how in third grade, Damashek was used against me pejoratively by my peers. They would say like, damn is a bad word. The damn people who live in a shack and they just were stone-faced collectively, understandably. And then they resumed their conversation and it was a nightmare and it didn't get any better from there until about five minutes into this this so-called interview, 10 minutes in, I finally placed the guy because when I walked in, I was introduced. They said, you know, Adam, this is Adam. Hi, nice to meet you. This is Daniel and this is Bob. And Bob was driving me crazy. Bob, Bob, Bob. And I was like, you know, as you are with people like, hi, nice to meet you. You know, like that. I was I was unenthused in meeting Bob. But then I placed him. Oh, Bob. That's Bobcat Goldthwaite. Why is he sitting in this interview? Why is Bobcat Goldthwaite of all human beings who at the time I was like the police academy guy, but he doesn't look the same. I didn't know he was a director on the show. So I was flipped out like this is a plant to freak you out to see how you react to it. So then I place I'm like, it's Bobcat Goldthwaite. Now I seem like a complete lunatic. Um, and probably are on, am on the bad side of Bobcat and otherwise. Man, Sal, Sal must have put in a good word for you. How did you get this fucking job? <laughs> it was the worst. So, I, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I understand. This is one of the five worst moments of my entire life. This is a gigantic spot. And if you don't get this writing job, you've gotten to the final slot here. Boy, I don't know what comes next in your career. Maybe pack the bags and head back to the banks of the Three Rivers. And who knows? And Daniel walks me to the door. And um, I said, hey, Daniel, I just want you to, to know, are you going to be at, at uh, the Super Bowl party 
in a couple of days. And he said, yeah, I'm going to be there. And all these guys are too. And I said, well, then it would be really uncomfortable on Sunday if you don't give me the job now, because I'm going to be there and we'll be face to face. And let's just avoid that awkwardness and, and, and give me the job now. A cute little, uh, a cute little joke on my way out the door. Daniel goes, oh, don't worry, buddy. Actually, I'm not going to be there very long. I'm just going to pass through. So no worries there. Goodbye. <laughs> and, and Daniel sends me off the door, doesn't react at all to, to my crack. And then I go to the party and I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't even think I should be going. This is uncomfortable. Like I obviously bombed that interview and I'm telling Sal this at the Super Bowl party. Like he's like, how was it? I'm, I didn't go great. It did not go great, Sal. And just then Adam Carolla walks by and Sal says, it couldn't have gone that bad. Hey, Carolla. Hey, do you remember this guy's like, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, he, he said, he said his interview was terrible. It wasn't that bad. Was he? he's like, well, let me put it this way. He was like Stephen Wright without the material turned and walked away. And that was the end of it. And it was the, the worst experience, worse than you were having on your uh, severe weed uh, that day. Worst, it was a torturous worst, <laughs> worst lead up to that Super Bowl. You or Ray Lewis? <laughs> Tie. Too Tie. close to God. Too, too close to God. One of us got into the Hall of Fame. You so both, I, I don't you know. both got away with it. You both got away <laughs> with it. It's unbelievable. You got the job and he's uh he's yucking it up about football. All right. <laughs> he got the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, uh well, spaghetti's announcing dust. Kristaps Porzingis traded again to the Wiz. Yeah. Purgatory. That, that is gonna send shockwaves through the league. Oh, poor Chris Thapps. I do feel bad for him. Zinger, you? I mean, who would have, for real, four years ago, who could have seen this coming? You thought, this this is crazy. This guy is a, another character that has a chance to kind of redefine basketball. <laughs> He's a complete zero of a guy. Well, he was going to be the cornerstone for the Knicks. I mean, they haven't had that much hype since the, like, the Linsanity phase. And then he was, this yeah, guy right. was knocking down, like, long-range three-pointers. The garden was electric. And then it kind of, I mean, the injury and then all the off the court stuff and it got it, it, it turned sour real quick and I guess Luca wanted no part of him uh in Dallas. Hey, real quick, I uh, want to remind everybody FanDuel Sportsbook is an official partner for Super Bowl 56, a sports betting partner and to celebrate new customers can bet $5 to win $280 in cash money on either team to win when you use the promo code minus -3. Minus is the word M-I-N-U-S, and the number three when you register. That's right, you get cold, hard cash. We've already told you who we got. I'm on the Rams now. I finally have uh, worked my way around the Bengals and have come back around hey. to our hometown team here. And Hench and uh, Spaghetti are riding with uh, with Cincy. Either way, get in there. Like we say, FanDuel, Dynamite, the promotions, the same game parlay. This is the ideal spot. We just ran through a bunch of fun props for you. Bet it however you want to. The important thing is you do it at FanDuel and you do it at FanDuel.com slash minus three. And we'll see you in the winner's circle. Or maybe we won't. Either way, let me squeeze in a quick break here. So what were you saying there, Hank? Oh, I was just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this, the, 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 the nascent stages of this idea of where you kind of, um, you know, people do this for mutual funds and for charities where you you kind of rank franchises based on morality, like where you're like, hey, you know, do you want to bet on scumbags or do you want to bet on, you know, decent human beings? And, you know, I, I obviously I think uh, Mr. Rooney set a standard, you know, like the Steelers 
are kind of the gold standard. Um, I, I think it, in a in a league full of scumbags, you know, of of a higher a higher purpose, higher calling, um, you know, reflects the town, obviously. But so I was kind of thinking. Somebody asked me, like, who in this uh, Super Bowl matchup, like, what's the moral high ground? Like, who you know, if you don't care about football and you just want to make sure you're rooting for the better human beings. I was like, God, it's tough. I don't, there's not, you know, perfect isn't on the Bengal. Like I'm like, I was just trying to, <laughs> I was like, that was what defined the early 21st century Bengals. Yeah. I mean, they were all, so I was trying to like, remember? I was scrambling. I couldn't really think everybody's, you know, Cooper cup seems like a great guy. I'm like kind of going down the list looking for, for, you know, uh, scumbags. And I was like, it was, but then, so then I was kind of thinking historically and it, it got me in the mind of, what Paul Brown did to Bill Walsh way back when when Walsh was an in-demand, you know, people were like, we want to hire your offensive coordinator to be a head coach. And I can't remember the exact details, but Paul Brown was like, yeah, he's not interested or he's not like he didn't. It, they, we need and I'm not jiving about this, a 30 for 30 or otherwise documentary about Ohio pro football, because. If first of all, I, I understand why Cleveland people would be like, eh, you're looking past Otto Graham in the AAFL days and Jim Brown's the best. Well, like, unfortunately, it doesn't matter. It's it's not in the zeitgeist. Nobody gives a crap about what happened in, in 1951 um, in pro football. It was an irrelevant sport. But Paul Brown creates a team and is arrogant or otherwise enough to name it the Browns, the, the Cleveland Browns. Then Art Modell buys the team. And then he promptly fires Paul Brown. And Paul Brown's like, well, well you can't fire me. The team's named after me. He's like, well, that's what just happened, friend. <laughs> so Art Modell out scumbags Paul Brown, who moves down to the southwest portion of Ohio and starts up the Cincinnati Bengals. And his first decision is, I'm going to make the uniforms as much like the Cleveland Browns as the league will allow me to do. Hence, the orange hats plainly decorated with the jerseys that are almost brown, but instead black. Then Paul Brown has a uh, a prodigy of a coach named Bill Walsh, and that is where Hench's story picks up. So I don't, you know, of course I was I was a kid, and I I remember watching that Super Bowl, and uh, it's funny your your prop about uh, McPherson being MVP, probably an argument for Ray Wershing in that game, uh, even though Montana mm -hmm. wins MVP with with not eye popping numbers. Ray Wershing has four field goals, I'm pretty sure, but. I don't, of course, we didn't have the 24-hour media cycle, but it Walsh, that game must have meant so much to Bill Walsh. And if we had had that, the media cycle we have today, it would be regarded as the ultimate revenge game. You know, I've read about it, but I'm like, I don't, it wasn't being covered. Like, you know, Walsh must have told his team, we got to beat these motherfuckers. This is the most imagine this happening in the 21st century. Forget the revenge storyline. What about the actual storyline as it's happening? It would never exist now because people would work around it. But what you were getting at, I don't know if you finished it, is people would call Paul Brown as the as the figure ahead of uh, the coach and otherwise of the Cincinnati Bengals and be like, we love what that offensive coordinator is doing there for you. Can we can we uh, talk with him? We'd like to interview him for our head coaching job. We'd be like. No, not interested. No, he's, he's sticking with us. He's sticking with us. And this went on for years. This went on for years that Bill Walsh didn't know that 
teams were blowing in calls to ask about his availability and Paul Brown was just turning down the calls on his behalf. That is the craziest story that, again, just could never happen in the 21st century. Somebody would get the Bill Walsh, bump into him somewhere at the, at the uh, Maxim party, Super Bowl week or something, and be like, hey, we've been trying to get you so, on the phone. So, you know, Paul said, when you, you look at like a Super Bowl, like he must have felt better after that victory than any coach in NFL history to just to just twist the knife and uh, and, and get his revenge on this motherfucker. So great. Yeah. Well, it's, that's why it is easy to root against uh, the, the Browns to some degree and the Ravens with Art Modell. He is one of the more unappealing characters in American sports history. Hey. But as long as we're on the subject there and who you're rooting for, let's do it. Hench. you, you walked us right into it or skated us into it. Brad Marchand is, is now the biggest filthiest, legendary level scumbag. Now, Brad Marchand, I'm surprised when people talk about him. It's like, do you think he'll go to the Hall of Fame? It's like, really? You don't think he's going to go? He's he, he's dynamite. I mean, he's loathsome, but he's really one of, clearly one of the best players in the league and has been for some time now. But maybe he's just so unlikable, he's going to get TO'd or something and at least have to wait. Either way, um, the the most legendary, like high end, the top ten player in his sports history, who also played like a scumbag, is Mark Messier. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like Jack Tatum isn't a top ten player. He's not a top one hundred player, so he's a scumbag. But you know, well, you know, it's interesting because hockey has gotten more delicate as as we all have watched over the years. So you know. When you look back at what you would call scumbaggery in Messier's era has changed. I mean, Marchand really stands out now because guys don't don't do the stuff he's still doing. I mean, which I think, you know, I know you were uh, uh, offended by Bucci Grass's uh, tweet. Sort of defending. He's, an, he's just an ultra competitor. Like, That's all. That's all. He didn't like what Jari said. You know, obviously the NHL still has these fans who are like, get over it, you know, but I, I cannot, I, I always start trying to defend Marshawn. I, my first instinct, as we all do with our own guys is like, wow, man, Jari must've, Jari must've dropped an N-bomb on him. Like, I'm like, what am I, what? I can't come up with anything. I'm like, uh, what could a goalie have said to this fucking guy? And he just rabbit punches him in the back of the head. And and, I, you know, so then you're like, oh, it's Marchand, which is a lot like Antonio Brown, where you're like, oh, don't try to defend it. You'll never come up with a rational answer for why this lunatic behaves the way he does. Um, licking guys' faces like he's a fucking crazy person. So the, but the, the nuttiest part of that whole sequence and look, obviously, that couldn't have gone worse for the Bruins. I, I mean, fucking apocalypse. Former Bruins, what Dan Heinen, scores two goals in 28 seconds against the, his former team. Uh, Sidney Crosby, incidental, but I don't know what your skate is doing between the legs of Patrice Bergeron, who doesn't have the puck, as you send his Oh, stop his it. Oh, cut it out. Who's also been concussed a million times, crashing into the boards. Uh, and then and then Marshawn still out on the ice and all, down two goals. Well, also Tuka Marshawn, Rask retires that day. So he can punch the other team's goalie and then and then uh, try to try to scratch his cornea with his stick. And it's like just a fucking apocalypse for the Bruins. Um, 
And then you're sitting there going, your first instinct is always like, well, I got to come up with a rationalization. Then you're like, no, you don't. It's Brad Marchand. He's, he's, he's a, he's crazy. He's a crazy person who um, plays for your team and plays very well, but don't waste any energy trying to figure out what Jari said. What, what could he have said? <laughs> but why, but listen, let me ask we you, don't know. Your goalie gets sucker punched in the back of the head. Why don't five sets of gloves go down on the, I don't just don't know why Marshawn didn't get beaten senseless on the ice. What uh, what kind of suspension would you even get? Whatever you got would have been worth it. Would have been a totally galvanizing moment for the Penguins. As it is, as it stands right now, it's like, I guess you guys can just run our goalie and and we'll just skate politely over to our bench. Well, a couple of things. First guess of all, not all, run the goalie. I mean, here, here, here's Jag Ed, here's Jag galvanizing moment, rallying from down two against the the big bad Bruins who were beating the hell out of the Pens that night. I mean, in, in legal terms as well as filthy terms too. I mean, they just that that Bruins team. I don't know why they're not. They don't present. I don't imagine. My guess would be Eddie Spaghetti's flying high with his blue shirts right now, but. I bet you, Spaghetti, you, you'll you take the Bruins any day over the Lightning or the Panthers, right? If, if that if the a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals on the line, you'd rather catch one of those two teams, a high-flying bunch versus the Bruins. But the Bruins, to me, I think it dates back to my childhood, that it's like there's something about them that it continues to intimidate me, even though in the early 90s, both trips to the Cup went through Boston, and, and uh, the, the second one was a breeze. But right, Spaghetti, or no? The Bruins are. I don't they're, think they're so. Bullies, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be. I mean, I know the Rangers did. Like, they just played Florida. They beat uh, Tampa twice. They have been okay versus those top teams, but I, I don't think. So. I mean, the Bruins right now, their goalie situation is kind of weird. I don't, I don't think they're as high. Like, they're not as high scoring as those other teams. So I, I feel like with the Rangers having, you could argue right now the best goaltender in hockey, uh, or one of two. I, I'd probably rather play the Bruins. Bruins? That's what I'm saying, and I'm oh, telling you, you would not. You I'm telling you, thing. you were saying you'd rather. I thought you were saying you'd rather play. N- I'm saying you fear right that you fear the Panthers or Lightning more than you of do course. the Bruins. Oh, and I'm okay. telling you yeah, from experience. Yeah. I'm telling you from experience. What will get to those kids is getting hammered and not having any room to make a play. They will poop the bed very fast against well, a team like the, the Bruins, with- who don't, don't who won't give the defenseman any time to do anything with the puck. That that'll spook that young team. That, that well, you know what's also team. spooky is that every time the Lightning lose in the playoffs, Vasilevsky is guaranteed to get a shutout in the next game. The hundred percent guaranteed the team will not score in the next game. Like it's the craziest run. Like the other team will not will not get a whiff. So uh, until proven otherwise, I think, you know, the lightning have gotten to this point where they know they're going to be in the tournament. You know, you, you know, try just just yeah, as they did perfectly, obviously, with Kucherov, like just try to peak at the right time. And and the Bruins are just so shallow that roster so shallow, like even if their five guys are all healthy and not suspended, they just can't make a deep run with that roster. Well, I, I so to answer your question, I I don't think anybody on the ice in, at, at that moment when Marshawn does his filth, his third uh, filthy deed of the night. Um, I don't think anybody's out there thinking in these terms. But you know, if you get suspended doing that, the Pens are also shallow because of injury at this point. So probably no one wants to sit down. And the guys they had out there too 
are not predisposed to doing that. The guy who probably is the most likely to do it is Crosby. Um, he's he he wears the C and he does get in there and stand up for his teammates and does show the way. Um, a lot. You shake your head. He does no, all I'm, the time. He does I'm that a, all the time. I'm he sticks his nose in there, which is crazy. Like, yeah, it's kind of crazy that that would be the case. Is a very is like we're we're like shaking <laughs> our heads in agreement. Um, I agree. That I don't know. They sent the guy Crosby off the ice. They, the they sent the violator. He doesn't mind mixing it up. His goalie just got rabbit punched in the back of the head. And what I'm saying is, it's a huge fucking demerit on the kid for not. And by the way, he would beat Brad Marchand up. I mean, how fucking delighted would you have been if that guy got his ass kicked after punching the goalie in the back of the head, right? That would be nice. Okay, now now you've seduced me to your side. I would have liked that. No, I just don't think that um, it's a Mike Sullivan thing. Their head coach is against it philosophically. I, which is weird if you ever if you happen to recall him uh, Ham and Ager in the league you know he was a grinder and it's funny that he's one of the guys who's uh, he coaches them uh, let's not retaliate here I mean that goes for Tom Wilson and his filth and otherwise uh, the bottom line is to me let's not get distracted by t- well first of all if you saw the thing and if you haven't go back and look it up because it's pretty funny Tristan Jari, the Pens goalie, puts the puck at the end of his stick, and he's about to flip it up over the glass to a fan on the other side. And Marshawn skates by and knocks the puck off of Jari's stick, and everybody cheers. And my thought was, I, how, why are you cheering, Bruins fan? You were about to get a puck from an NHL player, and Marshawn just knocked it off. Like, hey, thanks, Brad. We, yeah, I, mean, I guess I didn't really want that puck anyway, man. And by the way, he just and then he takes it with his hand and he throws it. He doesn't put it in the stands. So that's a, a, a dirt bag move. Then he punches Jari. Then he tries to carve him, carve his eye out. But because he fails at doing it, it's like, well, six games. What if he did? What if he did put the stick into Jari's eye? What if he did and Bernie Perrant's the guy and Jari is out for, you know, two months or for the rest of his life? Then what's the penalty? It's weird that the standard is, yeah, but it, he failed in doing it. So how much are we supposed to pay? He tried to put the stick right into, into Jari's eye, for Christ's sakes. All right. Let me ask you, there was a great... I thought it was an outrageous move. And he's a scumbag. So, so, he's not uh, as big a scumbag in terms of talent combined with talent as Mark um, Messier was. So there was a moment uh, 10 years ago where um, I think it was Cortland Finnegan was the corner for the Titans. And Andre Johnson was at the peak of his powers for, for the Texans. And Cortland Finnegan just decided, like, I'm going to uh, jam you at the line and then I'm just going to punch you throughout the play, after the play, I'm just going to keep hitting you and punching you. And uh, what are you going to do? And like after a little bit of this, Andre Johnson said, well, I guess I'm going to fight you. And they fought like a real fight, which doesn't happen very often in the NFL. And and I remember Collinsworth on Inside the NFL just goes, sometimes you got to fight. He's like, there is even, like, even though this Mike Sullivan's of the world have kind of won, you know, it's like, it's never you cannot get thrown out of a game you cannot get a 15 yard penalty you cannot get a match penalty you you have to keep your cool but like it's like yes there is a point where you have to fight and for me personally your goal to getting sucker punched in the back of the head exceeds the point where somebody has to fight Marchand now they can fight with each other to see who gets to fight Marchand but somebody has to somebody has to lay fists on Marchand 
But what you feel is in your gut watching it is somebody's got to break their stick over his head. And then that guy's out for 15 games himself. And Marshawn's not going to take the bait and drop the gloves with you. And then, I, I like I said, I don't think they're calculating all that in the moment. But that is the problem of going. That's why he's an ultimate scumbag like Dino Cicerelli and those well, other you know scumbags do when who, would do it, who, 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 would, who would turn things over to the fists when it got too rough for them. But they would, oh, they love to try to carve you up with the stick. They're, they're, those are the worst guys of all. Uh, of them all. What you do is when his stick is preoccupied with Jari's cornea, you hit, you punch him in the stomach, but his hands will go down fast. I can't believe it. I'm like, I, it's my guy. And I'm like, why didn't somebody beat the shit out of this guy? Um, last and I thing. also think he probably would have gotten less of a suspension if somebody had beaten the shit out of him. <laughs> A little, a little frontier true. justice. A little frontier justice would have helped Marshawn. Yeah, some some uh, blood pouring off his face. Yeah, would have reduced it. You may, perhaps you're right. Um, last thing is, it occurs to me, and unless you have anything else you want to weigh in on here, fellas, um, I people always do winners and losers. Is this get, did this team win the game or did the other team lose it? As it happens, it's generally uh, both are true. I feel like the big loser of the week, no matter what, at this point, is Jared Goff. I feel bad for him today. I, I've been feeling bad for him all week. Imagine being that. Imagine being that fella. You're you're stuck up in Detroit. They're probably going to draft your replacement in a couple of months. You got exposed. Now there's no. What you don't want is for somebody to come in behind you and then and, and you know put you in into the into the spot of like, see, that was the the missing piece there. I think Jared Goff is rooting hard for Joe Burrow this week because then it makes it okay that he lost that Super Bowl to the Patriots, right? Well, I mean, they shipped I, him I mean, out and went to the Super Bowl. Goff is <laughs> Goff is kind of confounding because I, I mean, you'll you'll remember this better than I do because you you were covering it every day. But like, does does Goff start zero and seven under Jeff Fisher? Is this, am I getting any of this right? That he, sounds right. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, and then like they, they, he gets a, he gets a, a new lease on life with a new coach and you're like, uh, yeah, he got Keenum. Right. He got yeah. Keenum. They might even put Sean Mannion in while like, Goff okay, was healthy. Not, if I remember, okay, not only is Goff not a bust, but I mean, you know, if we, if, if you, you think about that Rams chiefs game, like not only is he not a bust, he's taking us to the promised land and he, you know, and he takes him to the Super Bowl. And in that, get you're like if the if the Patriots score 13 points, obviously the Rams are going to win, and Jared Goff's going to going to you know walk off the field Super Bowl champion. Rams score three points. I don't. I mean, did teams figure guys out? Like it's just an incredible record scratch on his ascent. Right? You're like this guy's good, man. He delivers a nice ball, and his team's in the Super Bowl. And then it's like suddenly like he's not very good. He's actually the problem. We're going to ship him out to, to you know, we're going to exile him to the worst outpost in football. And we're going to bring in this guy who now has his back on the precipice of a championship. And everyone's like, is Jared Goff a, a starting quarterback in the NFL? And I see those things happen. And it'll be interesting with Kyler Murray where you're like, did we just see, did, has Kyler Murray peaked? as an NFL quarterback, did they figure something out about his limitations and now it's going to be the Jared Goff trajectory? Because um, as we all know, you can't, your legs can only take you so far, you know? So I, I, I do, 
I do feel bad for golf, except for probably the hundred million dollars. No, I mean, yeah, relatively he speaking, drink, he wouldn't drink Scott's bath water for all the money in the world. <laughs> but he's not Eddie Spaghetti, is he? No, he's in a better position. Yeah, I, I um, the the first overall pick thing is interesting because you you have Stafford. And who finally gets to the Super Bowl and you have Joe Burrow. But to your point, yes, you have Kyler Murray in between. You have Baker Mayfield in there and you have Jared Goff in there. Um, And um, I do remember at the time and there's documented evidence of this in social media and otherwise of me declaring Jared Goff, they're going to pay him and it's going to be a gigantic mistake to pay him. Um, because he was their first overall pick and it feels good with McVay, but they have to know that he's not the guy and they paid him and then they came around the Damashek side and were able to find uh, somebody to pawn him off on. This is, uh, here's the great news, everybody. And we'll, we'll say this again next week. I'm sure. Um, this is going to be the greatest off season ever. I not, not a really fun off season. This is going to be the best one ever. Aaron Rodgers. What the hell's going to be with that, with that cat? Russell Wilson, Derek Carr is almost like a, if if you know there'd be some off season where like you could get Derek Carr that'll that'll make things uh, fun. Is Tom Brady going to come out of retirement? What do you think about that? Let, let, let you, you got to weigh in on that, Ange. Um, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, but you know my theory. You know, it depends how much. He well, he's already doing it. He's you know. Um, hey, I I just had this thought as you were going through those number one picks and trajectory. Like, do you think? That Brown's front office said to the surgeon, we know you're fixing the left shoulder. Could you just look around in the right shoulder? Just see if there's anything fucked up in there. Because this guy is not very good with his throwing shoulder. We think there's, this is, uh, this is maybe, could you find something in the left shoulder? Is is there a bionic option here? Because like, it's so weird that the Brown's, are now relying on cleaning up the non-throwing shoulder. Is this what's going to solve all the problems in Cleveland? It's like, no, no, no. His, his throwing shoulder's fine. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, I see, by the way, football season, like life itself, is short, too short, but it's also long. And that's a good thing for the Cleveland Browns because think about the last year. The Cleveland Browns, if I told you, guess what, Ohio, your pro football team made it. Even that, you still wouldn't be like, well, it must be the Bengals. There would be nobody, even if I said there are two teams in Ohio and one of them's making it to the Super Bowl, still nobody would have bet on the Bengals to get there. Can you imagine? I feel bad for Bake and all Browns fans that this was supposed to be their year and the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Last thing, Hench and Spaghetti. Who would be, we heard at the very top, so let's leave it there. Who's your dream broadcast booth to call every Super Bowl for the rest of time? We will we will give them a shot, not the kind Aaron Rodgers doesn't want, the one that keeps you alive forever. Fountain of youth. You'll drink you'll drink uh, Harry's brother's um, bathwater out of well, uh, the 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 cup that. Uh, I mean, I know you 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 hate prisoner of, of the moment stuff so much, and I you know it was really incredible hearing all the clips of Madden, you know when he passed. And just realizing, like, oh my God, I saw all those games. I, I, this was the soundtrack of my childhood. I never went to school on Tuesdays. I, you know, I, I, it wasn't that I was allowed to stay up. Everyone else was asleep. Who was policing me 
at 12:45 in the morning when the game when when Mark Mosley finally kicked the field goal against Lynn Dickey. So you know, John Madden was was the soundtrack uh, of my life, my childhood. That said, prisoner of the moment. When Nance and Romo are calling the game, I just feel like I'm in such good hands. Wow. Both, both, uh, you know, play by play, information, comedy, analysis. Like I, you know, I love those guys. And so, uh, if I had to choose, uh, that would be my team. Halftime band, Prince forever. I mean. That's easy. That's a good call. I thought you'd go Elvis Costello, but uh, yeah, I think that's a better one. Grander sound for for that. <laughs> I don't, don't want to hear people booing. Hey, my guy! They got Elvis Costello. Everybody, it's Elvis Costello. Why? What are you throwing? Why are you throwing shit? <laughs> Super Bowl audience for Elvis Costello. Uh, by the way, prisoner of the moment. It's the Winter Games going on as we speak here. Al Michaels says soundtrack of our lives, much more so than even Pat Summerall, who I loved. And Nance or Buck, listen, I'll take Al Michaels in the booth. I think you're maybe right, though, about Romo is interesting. I thought we had to pick a team. You're, you're, I didn't, you t- I make, said nothing like that. And I want Cosell in there, too. I want you're Cosell mixing and matching. Oh, yeah. oh, well, I didn't know we could have a 10 man booth. I don't like, like, three is the, three is that three is done all the time. Eddie Spaghetti, your thing. Uh, probably Dennis Miller. And um, I'm trying to, no, um, I, I, and um, Kornheiser. Just I'm with the two of them. Uh, Hench. Uh, I I agree with Hench. The best current duo is Nance Romo, and this is coming from a Giants fan. I I, I really do enjoy uh, Tony Romo. The best halftime show ever was Prince. So I'm with that. But if I had to pick a booth, a random booth, uh, I'm taking Gus Johnson. I think he is a great big game announcer, clip by play guy. And if I could pick any analyst to go with him, I think it's got to be Bill Belichick, right? Like to hear Bill Belichick break down every play. And like, if we, if, as long as you force him, like, Hey Bill, like this is like, you know, billions of people are going to watch this, where the number is like, just give us something more than mumbling, but hearing Bill break down stuff, kind of like what Romo does before the play, after the play, uh, what he would do in certain scenarios, I think would be ultra fascinating. So that'd be my pick. Oh, there's an idea. Forget, you know what, Belichick, you've done enough in the game. Good. Forget Manning cast. How about TBBB cast? Tom and Bill breaking it down for three hours on uh, on, on the big game. That would be you a good one. Romo, you know what Romo has that I, I really love? It's like, so, I mean, I know Dickie V used, you know, everyone was kind of a punch joke, but I was like, I, he's into it. That's good. He's That's into right. it, you know? And it's like, he's psyched to be there and like, he's having fun, but a blithering idiot half the time. Like Romo combines the enthusiasm I'm excited for this game. I'm happy that we're here. It's going to be a great one, but I know what the fuck is going on. The funniest one of all time is for many reasons. He's a dominant, fearsome, uh, foursome member. Merlin Olson. I, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Imagine having the balls as a parent. The bo- little baby comes out and he's got a little wiener. Okay, so we've got a masculine child here. What shall we name this this child? Let's shoot for the moon. Let's name him after a fictional medieval wizard. Mer, what the hell? You named him Merlin? You got some balls. That's some pressure you're putting on him. And he lived up to it. He went to the Hall of Fame. Then he became a TV star. Prime time. Father Murphy. Maybe the thing he did the worst was sit in the booth. Too mild-mannered, very pleasant. He and Dick Enberg provided a nice, pleasant call on some of the most pivotal moments in football history. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like Merle. I think Romo, I like Romo in there. 
and uh, and but Al Michaels uh, to me he's the gold standard. He I, I, I love Al's Summerall. Incredible. He's incredible. I didn't know we could mix and match. He's so your I pal. Put, I know. I can he's put a fan. Romo with, with I can put Romo with Al Michaels. I, you a, know, Hench is, is great fantasy, in many ways. This is our fantasy football team. Hench is great in many ways, uh, as we know, but uh, I, I feel validated for knowing that before I heard that Al Michaels was a big Kevin Hench fan, which he is. Told you to your face that he's a big fan of your work a while oh, back, right? That's pretty well, cool. Just one legend to another, I guess. Will we see a Manning cast? I don't know what the rights are to the TV deals, but will we, will we ever see a Manning cast announced Super Bowl? Since they just resigned with ESPN, is ESPN ever going to wiggle it away? Is they going to ABC will buy in the next you know five years or so? Because I think that would be a pretty interesting Super Bowl. Sure, I bet you we will. God, Peyton Manning's a good call, man. That guy is fantastic. I don't. I just it's it's weird how how good he is. I like Eli's a lot of fun and the little brother, big brother dynamic and everything else. But how about an upgrade from Eli to Tom and Peyton and Tom just call games for the next 15 years. Who would complain about me besides Eli? Giants fans. Yeah. All right. Um, You got to, you got other things to worry about. Although things are coming together there for, uh, for big blue. Um, It sounds like um, until, well, but, and the great news is for everybody, Right after this Super Bowl, Goodell this time, he means it. And I think you could hear oh, that. Wow. This yeah. time now. This is, this is got, you figure out how to lead this into a sign-off because I got to eat my lunch. But we got to we, – we would be remiss. If we have we lots of time if, to do it. That's if, why I didn't bring it up. did not tap the, the Goodell progression from without merit to <laughs> we'll take a look to we have been dropping the ball. Like it is a fucking lightning speed how fast he went from – Without merit to, okay, you know what? We'll take a look. And then taking a look was apparently like, what? There's one? Uh, we, we, we are bad at that. Like, he, he literally came full circle on Mr. Flores' lawsuit in a week. The best, the, the, my favorite part is that there, there has not been a discussion we've had more often than addressing this issue. The canard of what uh, head coaches are middle managers in the hierarchy sell a team to a, a man of to a person of color or sell two franchises and that that's the discussion we're always having i bet you you're having it like and he's probably not even lying that it's a prominent conversation they have like it's it's a real bad look guys i don't know who's what we're gonna do but we gotta do it the problem is is that all the owners are like well yeah we don't want that to happen um and i i love that that's what's going on and it's like that is something we're very concerned about but but right now, that's on the uh, back burner because we're circling the raggins around shitbag Dan Snyder. What do you want us to do? We, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's so nuts. And we got to protect this guy. Then, but yes, that's a. That I would is, love. I mean, it's like somebody <laughs> needs to do a deep dive. Like, I don't even know how you would figure it out. But like when Goodell's like, OK, I'm going to destroy the tapes. Because this, I've got 32 bosses. This boss is saying like, hey man, I don't want to fucking hear another word about those tapes, okay? Fucking, you know, he jerks the leash and Goodell's on a, like a fucking, he's a beaten dog. He's like, okay, okay boss, okay, boss. Uh, you know, whatever, those tapes, those tapes are never going to serve us again, boss. And then like Woody Johnson's like, hey, you work for me too, fuckhead. I think those balls have been deflated. It's like, uh, well, they haven't been. I don't give a shit fucking come up with something. Okay. How about this four game? Okay. Four games. Okay. And then it's like, I don't know, Jerry Richardson, apparently not a good guy. Hey man, you're out. So is it just like, 
do a, a certain number of the scumbags have to go like, yeah, we don't like Jerry Richardson, no problem. And then it's like, oh, hey, Dan Snyder is is a piece of shit. Ah, we kind of like him. Or, I, you know what? If you check those emails, he sent me the topless photos too. There's nothing I can, I, like, I don't know. How does it work? Like, how that- does Goodell figure out who he's going to punish, how the punishment's going to work, how he doesn't alienate certain ownership blocks it's it's mind boggling. I, I think that that is I think it's the thing for 20 years that has been the the sort of what a, a defining element of his tenure is the ping ponging back and forth. Right. He well, we don't have the tape. Sorry, world. Sorry, we don't have the uh, videotapes uh, that uh, Belichick and company shot way back when. And then that was a bad look and they got a lot of heat for that. So, right. Exactly what you said. The other owners are like, what the hell? So they made so they so so they exaggerated the next one to try to make it right to balance things out. And it's the same thing with how long they suspend this player for four games and that guy for six. And that wasn't enough. So now we have to make it right with the next guy. But then that one's not severe enough or two. Uh, right. That that is, uh, uh, like I say, a defining characteristic. All right. We hope it's a defining game for you, a defining Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56, you've heard our bets. Get in there. Join us. FanDuel.com slash minus three is how you do it. We'll be back after Super Bowl 56. Oh, so much real estate and no football. But there will be the draft and free agency, plus basketball, plus I mean, hockey, plus before you know it, before you know it, guys will be blowing out their ACLs during OTAs. It's just around the corner. Season-ending injuries. It's so unbelievable that the first week of guys jogging will, you know, you'd be like, yep, uh, the Ravens lost uh, three guys today. Yep, from from your mouth to Goodell's ears. May it come true. Um, All right, enjoy the game, uh, fellas, and uh, everyone within the sound of my voice. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.